0: This is Larie Daniel Favors, and welcome to the hub. show up on her show once a week to do legal analysis which really ended up being social justice analysis which evolved into a whole bunch of other things namely this show uh, but he is someone who always intrigued me because his approach to music and artistic expression I gotta be honest with y'all it's more in line with what I think is where our music should be going and he does so in a way that is in lift uplifting empowering not judgmental but challenges us to be better. And I really appreciate it because um, unfortunately, not all musicians have the ability uh, to make that happen. He's is known as D1. He's a rapper, educator, activist by a business owner, award-winning motivational speaker. And he is the Nasir Jones hip hop fellow at Harvard university. He is also a billboard top 10 charting, Emmy nominated game changing MC with a phenomenal personality uh, and a persona that matches his penmanship. his transitioned from being a middle school math teacher in Louisiana to a nationally acclaimed hip-hop heavyweight with much left to accomplish. D1, it's a pleasure to have you here, brother. Thank you for joining us today.
1: I'm so glad we made this happen.
0: So am I, so am I, you were actually supposed to be here. We were going to have this interview a while back and then scheduling realities happened on my end, your end. And so I'm so glad we were able to make this happen. Um, And mainly because I've been watching you ever since I met you on the Karen Hunter show. And I have been really impressed with how you not just Put out your content, the the business bent ways that you, or should I say, the entrepreneurial ways that you release your content, and what the actual message is. And so I was excited to have you here. You've been doing a lot. And so I just want to dive right in, let the people get to know you, support you, and figure out how we can spread the work that you're doing. So talk to us first about your journey. How did you go from being a middle school math teacher as a Black man, which is like a, a unicorn, quite frankly, something we need much, much more of, to being a musician who was able to really take the world by storm with the content that you're putting out?
1: Yeah. So I just had, I had a lot of faith in myself because I knew that any job is not comprising of the totality of your purpose in life. A job is what you make of it. So even when I was a teacher, there were good teachers, there were great teachers, and there were bad teachers. Um, as a, as a rapper, I realized that there are rappers who are just in the game to make money and it's just a hustle for them. There are some people who want to be masters of their craft and be MCs, uh, you know, in the literal sense. And there are some people who want to be educators and just educate through the realm of hip hop. And for me, the transition from being a teacher to a rapper uh, encompassed me wanting to still be a teacher, but to be able to teach through the scope of being a hip hop artist. I saw that hip hop was a powerful teaching tool inside the black community. Cause as a teacher, I was like, man, my students will learn the lyrics to their favorite rap songs way quicker and way easier than they'll, they'll learn, you know, a concept that we're trying to teach them in the classroom. So I was like, that's why I know you shouldn't fight against hip hop because of how powerful it is. But in terms of being in hip hop and actually becoming a relevant voice and a relevant force, that takes, you know, that that's not something that, that's not something you can just say, I want to do this, and then all of a sudden it's going to just happen. So I knew I would have to dedicate my life to it. The same way I was dedicating full-time effort to being a teacher, like Mr. Augustine, the middle school teacher, that was full-time effort. That's every day waking up, going in there and working on my craft. I knew I had to do that if I wanted to make it as a rapper. So uh, I took that leap of faith. Now, I do want to stress that In a lot of people's lives, they have what they're doing and they have what they want to do. And the difference is they aren't getting compensated for what they want to do yet. So that that gap between what you're doing and what you're getting compensated for and what you would like to be doing, this gap right here is what makes 95% of people never take that leap in their life because they're afraid afraid that, that in this gap right here, When they try to make the leap, they're afraid they won't make it to the other side. And it's just like this dark abyss below. They're like, what if I fall? What if I fall? You know, what if I don't make it? Uh, I got over that fear, and I took a chance on me. And there's methods that I chose to employ in order to do that. There's definitely a faith-based component to it in terms of being in touch with God and truly purifying my own heart and my own motives as to why I wanted to make that leap. And... I'm a success story.
0: You really are. And as I'm hearing you talk, I'm reminded of a friend who has this line in a poem that talks about how your God, be- your job becomes your religion and your purpose becomes a hobby. Like if you're not able to make that leap, then you sort of stay in a space where you give all of your time, the best of your waking hours, your, your most powerful energy, your creative life force to this job almost with a religious devotion, right? Because I'm no matter what's happening, I've got to get to work. I got to make this money. I got to get paid. And the purpose, like the actual reason for which you came here becomes just sort of a hobby, something you dabble in. And I feel like you have, have, have flipped that a bit in a way that I think is really impressive. And I appreciate that you said that it, it required something of you to be able to do that. Uh, some own growth in your own heart, the, the purification that you referenced. What was it about this vision or this, this purpose that you felt on your life that caused you to even pursue the pathway to making that leap. A lot of us feel that tug, a lot of us have a purpose and we know what we spend in our days doing ain't what God put us on this earth to do. And, and however you define God, like I ain't even interested in the particulars of that, but what was it about the, the strength of the calling on your purpose that made you even open enough to do what most of us don't do, which is to actually engage in the work for being able to take that leap.
1: So It's very important to note that I started rapping when I was in college. So even prior to graduating and becoming a teacher, I was already uh, taking on rap as a hobby. And the way I felt when I hit the stage for the first time as a college student, nothing compares to that. Like that was the the light bulb going off in my head saying, this feeling right here is something that I want to continue to feel and experience over and over and over uh, for multiple reasons it just it felt great for me to be able to express myself in that type of way it was like a release that i couldn't really compare to anything other than playing in a basketball game cuz i played basketball real heavy in high school and i was like okay this replaces that feeling that i would get when i'm in a game hoping number 1 but number 2 i'm big on i'm big on uh like possibilities and when I would have the microphone in my hand I was like yo in that moment when everybody is paying attention to me because I have the microphone the speakers are hooked up in that moment there's so much potential power in that moment but it's all dependent upon what am I going to say when I get on this mic so it's not just about whatever I say is powerful it's like now I have the power in this moment because of this microphone but it's all about where's my head where's my heart at where's my skill set at that's going to allow me to say something on this mic that can be life-changing and that that potential power uh was very intriguing to me and that made me want to be as sharp as i could be at that you know at this craft of being a hip hop artist but also not just being sharp pen wise but having like i said in the bio the personality and the persona to also understand like what I'm doing and be very intentional about what I'm doing. So I don't play on the microphone, I don't waste words, I don't waste uh, I don't waste platforms. And when I have, cause there's moments that as a human being, I do feel like I haven't uh maximized my potential for what that moment could have been. Uh, I learn from those moments, cause I take that as as a missed opportunity because it is very powerful. You, you would never like, I'm still hanging on to this day to a Phoenix Shakur, Tupac's mom, being present at one of my early performances when I was a college wow. student. And I'm still hanging on to her seeing me perform two songs and coming up to me after, cause they brought her to my college to speak, to do a speaking engagement in front of the whole uh, school. And I'm still hanging on all these years to her coming up and telling me, um, Sweetheart, your passion on that microphone when you were rapping reminded me of my son when he was on the microphone. So I'm still hanging on to that. So wow. I know, so I know that a fan can still be hanging on to. Man, I went to this D1 show one time, or I heard D1 on this radio show on Sirius XM saying something, and it just sparked something inside of me. I know that that can happen because I'm still hanging on to some of those type of moments. I'm still hanging on to the very first time on. 94.9, this radio station in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is where I went to college. I'm still hanging on to the first time one of my songs played on the radio and just that feeling inside of my heart. Of, of, oh, I can't even describe it, but me just being like, yo, this is the greatest <laughs> feeling ever. So, so I know the power of media and because of that, uh, I take it real serious.
0: So, can we talk about the power of hip hop from a from a, a Griot perspective, if you will? Because when I think about what we understand about the Griot or the Jale, I feel like you sort of sit in that space, right? Because it's not just an acknowledgement of the power of music, and and I've always been one to believe that when you, particularly when you're melanated, there's an there's something that happens when you in. When you infuse information over a beat, there is just something music. I don't feel like our, our musical talents, our ability to ride a rhythm when we're dancing, when we're rhyming, I, I, it's not just something that's that's cute and like and nice to hear and nice to do. There is power there, and a friend, another friend of mine, calls it the yama, the 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 deep power of transformation that can happen when the word just sort of not just hits your brain, but it like hits you something deep in your heart. And I feel like hip hop has the ability to do that in ways that no other genre of music does. And as an educator, someone who's familiar with the fact that our children learn so well when you tie something to music, their entire now programs centered around infusing curriculum over merit music because of the, way, the much easier way that our children are able to grasp that information. The beautiful part of that is that you can inspire people to build nations off of the content that you put in your music, or you can inspire people to strive for the lowest common denominator for the worst parts of themselves, the most negative energy. What are your thoughts on sort of this? recognition of the power of hip-hop when it's a good thing, but we sort of, as a community, tend to excuse all of the negative content that can also come out on air. And I, without going into judgment, I feel like I can ask you this question because I, from what I've seen, you don't slip into judgment and like finger pointing, but you you ha- tend to have a real uh, strong foundation just in terms of the understanding. What are we to make of the fact that we can recognize the potential good in hip-hop and the power of hip-hop while at the same time we, we sort of look away and don't necessarily have sophisticated conversations about what it means when our hip-hop is carrying a message that is self-destructive or community destructive or which will not allow the village to heal and to thrive. What are your thoughts about that dichotomy?
1: Yeah, my thoughts is that that's very scary and that's unhealthy for us to have that, I believe it's called cognitive dissonance to where, to yes, where we will, yeah, to where we we would just refuse to acknowledge, you know, or you could just call it ignoring the elephant in the room. Because we have to yeah. acknowledge that anything that can have such powerful, uh, life-changing capabilities in a positive manner as hip hop, it can also have that same capability in a negative uh, manner. Um, same thing with uh, a documentary I was recently watching about the power of social media, and they talk about they talk about social media being able to be something that has connected long lost family members and friends and helped people find organs that they needed donated to them. And as we also know, there's another side to social media that has literally physically altered people's uh, brain wiring to where now they're addicted to this. Uh, and, and there's a lot of bullying that goes on on social media. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of self-conscious people who, because of social media and pressure from social media, they, you know, they they don't feel the same way about themselves and whatnot. And, and as yeah, like I said, the addiction part is really real. So I think that when it comes to hip-hop, um, I'm addicted to hip-hop because I cannot think of another genre that has ever been the number one genre that I've consumed of music my entire life, except for hip-hop, from... Let's say five years old up until now. There's never been another genre that I have listened to more than hip hop. So you could call that a preference, or you could maybe call that an addiction. Um uh with that being said, I am going to confront the negative power of hip-hop as well. I have to because I have seen it. I have children, students. Who are in the grave right now because of the negative power of hip hop. Actual students who I taught. Wow. Um, I have students who are locked up behind bars right now. I have, you know, people who I've mentored that their lives are drastically different. And hip hop is not the sole cause of this. It's not the singular cause, but right. hip hop, hip hop has been part of the um, part of the equation that has that has you know, led to their downward spiral for sure. And that is something I do want to confront. So that's part of the, that's part of the reason why D1 as the MC has to be in the game. It has to be a relevant force in hip hop because it's different when we seek to love and correct and call out when we are one of the ones is, you know, it's different if you're a basketball player and you're calling out your teammates, but they see you putting in work with them every day. So they see it, so they're like, you know what? It still don't feel good because people don't like getting called out. So it might still make them look at you and snicker and be like, man, what this dude talking about? But it hits different because it's coming from somebody they just saw diving on the floor for a loose ball or somebody who they see in the weight room with them every morning, uh, as opposed to somebody from the bleachers that's just calling people out like, oh, you trash. You need to be working harder. You need to work on your shot that comes different. It feels like it's a heckler. It feels like it may be a culture vulture at that point. But, you know, I just dropped my ninth album. Like, people know what I do. I've been in this game for a long time and things are only growing. So because of that, uh, I do want to be the person that can practice what's called uh, transformative love to where just because I'm one of you all doesn't mean I have to only affirm us, you know, like blindly, like, Oh, I'm going to affirm us. Until, until I get to the point where I'm affirming a bunch of foolishness. Like I can't affirm foolishness, you know, so I can affirm us where we need the affirmation, but in order to transform us, we have to be able to call out with love the behaviors and the, uh, I would say the, the parts of hip hop that we know need correction mm. and 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 need maturation so that's yeah. that's what that's what I'm doing yeah and I'm and I'm taking it all the way not just on the microphone that's what I'm at Harvard university doing that's what I'm I just threw an event at Harvard called is trap music or trap does hip hop lead us to the dance floor or the graveyard to be at an wow. ivy league school and bringing this type of programming And this type of uh, conversation to the table, uh, I I feel like it's important because we can have these conversations on radio stations, we can have them in the hood, but we should have them at the Ivy League level as well, especially when uh, a lot of the people on that campus may be listening to music that they have no personal connection to, but they're just listening to it because they're like, well, this is what affirms my blackness is when I listen to this, or this is what is popular you know, with everybody, all my friends who don't go to Harvard. This was popular with them, so I just need to be listening to it. And who's going to step in and say, hey, aunt, that's incorrect. You don't need to be listening to this to affirm your blackness. You might want to know what's going on. So like me, I listen to a lot of stuff. I'll, I'll at least put my ear on it once to be aware of what's being created in the marketplace. But in terms of what I am consuming and feeding myself, there's a difference between a little taste test, a little sample versus like, all right, let me sit down and have a meal with this. And I'm not having a meal at this point in life. And I don't think we should be having meals that are full of what we could consider the, uh, the unhealthy hip hop, you know. Or we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be having those meals uh, for the sake of just entertainment purposes. Like if I have to dig in, I'm currently... You know doing a documentary on exactly what we're talking about which is um the power of hip-hop specifically uh with young black males you know the positive but also the negative power that it has and i'm doing this on a scholarly level to where it's not just an opinion like man i think hip-hop is you know is hurting us Mm -hmm. and it's causing people to go to jail i'm actually backing this up with with you know reputable data and and with methods of obtaining this data that are going to really stand up on the highest level so that's really important to me that if I am consuming a lot of this that it has a means to you know to the end so yeah
0: I appreciate that particularly as a woman who appreciates hip-hop but I just can't Like, I can't listen to it in the car with my daughter. I actually can't listen to it in the car with my son because, and he's, you know, gonna be 16 because I don't want him, even though he's already listening to it, I know this, but I don't want him feeling like his mother or his father condones the messages that about women for example about uh, sexuality about uh, really just y- your relationship to the other people in the community and so I, I've just been really grateful so as a parent and as a consumer of hip-hop and someone who feels like I've had this sort of torture relationship with it I'll just say thank you for holding that line because the idea of transformative love and, and again I love that phrase because it's not it's not about judging people it's about here's the information this is the impact of the food we are Consuming and this food that we are currently consuming is causing this, that, and the other issue. And we need to think about how we can eat a healthier diet um, in a way that's going to going to make us more empowered. You mentioned your ninth album. Congratulations, that is fantastic. And I was really intrigued to see the way you released this album. Talk to us about the entrepreneurial aspect of this most recent release. Um, I've seen you on Instagram talking about, you know, people can pay whatever they want for the album. People have been paying a hell of a lot for this album, not because you have priced it that way, but because you created this opportunity for people to pay what they thought it was worth. Talk with us about what went into making that decision and your thoughts now that you've seen the reaction.
1: So... Me making that decision was influenced by multiple factors. Number one, the streaming game is not made to benefit us as artists. Like, it's, it's abnormal how low we get. Compensated for streams. It is. What is
0: the compensation like? How, give because for people who don't know, they. I think I heard you say like pennies on the dollar or something like that. What is the the average compensation rate for a streamer? How many streams do you have to to go through to get a hundred dollars, for example?
1: That the average compensation is about a third of a penny for each stream that you get. Oh one God. third, one third of a penny. So if you have an album, so let's just let's just. I mean, you know, when I was buying CDs when I was a little younger, you know, let, like let's say you go to the store and you buy that CD and you come home and you listen to it top to bottom, just for, for easy purposes, let's say it has 10 songs on it and you listen to it top to bottom. If we went based on the streaming model, you would make a total of three cents from that, from that, uh, from that purchase, wow. from, from someone saying, hey, I wanna go ahead on and, and download your album to my library and I'm gonna listen to it top to bottom. All right, cool. That might be for an album that you don't like. You got it. You know, you were excited about it. You listened to it top to bottom. And that's that. Let's just say you really, really like that album. And let's say you listen to it. But so much music comes out nowadays that how long do you really have to even sit with an album and really like it before five of your other favorite artists put, you know, put music out? Right. So let's say, let's say you listen to that album top to bottom. 10 times, right? Which I think that's a that's a lot for nowadays. Top to bottom, you listen to something uh, 10 times from the first song to the last song. So let's say uh, you listen to it once a day on your commute from home to work for two straight weeks in the car, right? Uh, every day. So five days a week um, for two weeks. For that album getting played top to bottom 10 times, the artist will make about 30 cents on that.
0: You have got to be kidding me.
1: I'm, I'm, I, I wish I was kidding you, but the fact that I'm not kidding you is why I said, that's one of the reasons, that's one of the main reasons why I said, you know what, I am not going to just sit back and play the game. I want to help to change the game. So there's been people for a long time that have employed these methods. Uh, there's, you know, there's big rock bands, there's big groups that have um, employed these methods of pay what you want there's, there's platforms that have allowed people to go on there and, and you know, you get to like customs, you know, set your own price and whatnot. But for me, it was like, I'm independent at this point. So I really don't have to play by anybody's rules that I have to remind myself of that sometimes because I was signed. I think when we met, I think I was signed actually to
0: RCA,
1: RCA records when, when we met, but, the fact that I'm independent and I don't have to play by anyone's rules, I have to constantly ask myself, how far am I willing to venture out into the, the realm where, you know, not many people are, are doing something, but maybe me be an early adopter to it, you know. So that type of stuff is important. There's been artists like Nipsey Hussle who have uh, employed like the uh, the Proud to Pay campaign, you know, which is what he called it. He didn't allow people to set his own price. Nipsey told people they could pay $100 for his mixtape. He he basically was like, I'm going to charge $100 for this and put a premium on it when it's really something that you could go and get for free online. But it's a mental thing, you know, to where I, I want to show this. For me to see this, like, what? I think he did this in 2013. For me to see this nine, almost 10 years ago and to see – that it worked, and that he sold uh a thousand albums at a hundred dollars a piece. Um, that that's how a thousand mixtapes at a hundred dollars a piece. That type of stuff is inspiring, you know. Um there's there's an artist uh named Russell who I'm aware of, who uh has been doing the same, same, same route, same method to where I'm seeing this, I'm peeping this. There's other artists and other genres who people have put me on to. Who I'm seeing, and I'm like, dang, really? Like this, 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 this rock artist. This is what they're doing, and I'm seeing their whole, you know, their their whole fan base get excited to 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 rock with them and support them. So one thing I realized was, I'm one of them ones. I'm like, I'm one of those artists whose fans love my music, but they love my mission. You know, they love, they love. Like Thanks. my bar- they, yes. yeah, they lo- they yeah, love my, they love my bars, but they also love my heart. And because of that, I was like, I, I now have the confidence that I needed to say, I'm gonna go ahead on and, and try something like this." And for people who may be like, "Well, what exactly did you do? You know, you explained it very well. Uh, but some people still, this is such a foreign concept to them. So basically what I've done is I've put my brand new album out. It's called God and Girls Part 2. Uh, I have to say that slowly because I have a New Orleans accent. And people think that I'm saying garden girls, like garden. <laughs> Light
0: like in like, the like, garden. Like,
1: <laughs> like with flowers and trees. Yes. But it's God <laughs> and Girls 2, right? This is a follow-up to God and Girls Part 1 that came out in 2019. So, God and Girls, part two, uh, the album is out now. And people can go to my website personally, which is dot 2com They go to their website. And once you go there, you will be prompted. You will see the album cover. And you'll be prompted to just click on it and simply name your own price. And once you name your own price for the album, whatever you would like to uh, purchase it for, you will get it and you will, you will then receive a link to where you will have... Uh, exclusive access to still be able to stream the album or to have the mp3 files sent to you personally so that you could put the album on whatever device you want and you'll have you know the the songs downloaded so you can stream or download the album bam when you get it at that point it's the same as if you had it on any streaming platform the difference is you have just consumed the art directly from the artist and in doing that if it matters to you at all just know that you have like helped the artist out, which is D1 in this case, in a way that streaming could have never. Because streaming does not care about me. Streaming is seeking to charge me money just to reach the people who already follow me and already consume my music. Like it's a business, you know, and that wow. business that business is not meant to be profitable, yeah, for, for the artist. Like it's just, it's simply not. So that's why so many artists get frustrated and they have this talent, but the talent doesn't outweigh the frustration that they feel trying to master the business side of it. So for me, putting this album out uh, directly to my consumers, letting them name their own price, it's been life changing. Uh, Like it has been life changing and the album hasn't even been out for that long yet. So it still has much further to go. And I'm, you know, I'm knowing I'm thankful for platforms like this where I could explain why I'm doing what I'm doing because eventually I'll put the album out on the streaming platforms as well just in case that's a place for new discovery. That's a you know the stream to me yeah. the streaming the streaming platforms that's a place for like new discovery just to where the reason why you know I respect what you do with your craft I respect you as a journalist so that I'm, I'm doing this interview for that reason as well. But another reason is because this is going to live on a platform that I don't own. And there may be some new discovery. There may be some new people who are gonna be like, "Dang, I wasn't hip to D1 until he did that interview. And once he did it, now I, I became a fan and a follower of his. So to me, that's how I'm gonna treat the streaming platforms. It's like, sure, I'll still eventually put my music on there for new discovery. But that core group of people, and there's always that diehard core group who really are like, man, forget all the noise. I can tune all the noise out. How can I help you? Cause D, I am in love with your mission and with your vision and with your, um, with your art, you know, with your creativity. So how can I most directly help you? For those fans, when I can say, hey, I'm still not gonna tell you what to give me, go ahead on and just pay what you want, name your own price. For those fans, they have shown me this go-round. It's like, oh, hands down, y'all, y'all make it to where I never, I, I never want to desert y'all because y'all are showing up for me in a way that streaming could never. You know what I wow. mean? Yeah.
0: And I feel like that's part of the beauty of the of following the of having made that leap from the, the, this side of the line to the walking your purpose side of the line that you were describing earlier. That's one of the beautiful gifts that comes from that, right? Not only do you get to walk in your purpose and. Y'all, there's just nothing as great as being in your bag and your bag being your purpose. Like there's nothing like it. And then seeing how it resonates with people. It's funny that you describe me as a journalist. I'm a lawyer by training. I and it's weird to be in a journalistic space, but like when I'm doing my racial justice work and I'm in my purpose, there is nothing like it. And when the people see you committed to that and, and uplifting that and they know that you're doing it for the good of the people. I love how you said that I I will I'm committed to continuing that relationship and cultivating that so there's there's nothing like it so I'm not on the music side but I can just say to the audience when you are sitting firmly rooted in your purpose and you are in alignment man there ain't nothing like it there ain't there's no bonus that can compare with it trust me trust me trust Mm -mm. me Trust me. we're at the end of our time together but I would be remiss if I did not ask you how what are you doing at Harvard like how'd you get what's happening at Harvard how yeah (laughs) what's behind that
1: I mean, I'm really changing the world, you know, uh, as far as having a hip hop artist who is breaking into new spaces. First of all, I graduated college already. So, you know, some people are like, oh, congratulations. You are you're at Harvard. You're trying to get your degree. I've been got my degree. So (laughs) don't insult me like that. Uh, Got my degree. Uh. I do so many speaking engagements around the country. Like, people are always booking me to come and speak at a conference, speak at a college, things of that nature. Um, It's gotten to the point to where my man Lupe Fiasco often says this, that we've become such masters of our craft, you know, as rappers, that the only next destination for hip-hop is higher education at this point. Because when you become... A master wow. at, at being a practitioner of your craft and performing and writing and reciting you know, these rhymes, then it gets to the point to where having the ability to either teach you know how you're so good at what you do or having the ability to do research and, and, and dig even deeper into the impact that your craft is having on the world. That's the next destination. So um, So I'm at Harvard uh, and the fellowship that I'm doing, is allowing me to explore like i'm I'm legit creating an album and also creating a documentary and a book uh, on the impact that hip hop has as a teaching tool on young black males. Wow, yeah, so i'm 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 so excited because I'm still. I'm still getting to be D1, like nothing about, you know, I just released an album recently. Uh, I'm still, you know, traveling and doing shows and doing my speaking engagements. But in addition to that, there was always a void that I felt, and it's because I started out in the classroom. So to to not formally be in a classroom for a while, always felt like I was missing something that allows me to fully be in my bag. But now Mm -hmm. to be able to do it at the highest level, that stuff is like amazing to me because uh, I'm no longer a rapper that's trying to prove himself. Like at this point, I have won, you know, NAACP. It's like, what bag you want to get into? You want to get into the social justice bag? Cool, (laughs) NAACP award winner, you know, speak at this convention, speak here, do this, da-da-da. What you want to get in the music bag? Top 10, Billboard, Shorten, artists, you know, debut number four in the world on Apple Music, iTunes, you know, then toured the country for over a decade. So it's like being in these multiple bags qualifies you to be able to do more. And oftentimes, people don't know, well, how do I do more um, with, with the immense skill set that I have? And for me, uh, this opportunity at Harvard University is amazing because it's allowing me, it's allowing me to flex, too. And I, and I want to say this before I leave. In hip hop, you know, we I need to re it. we need to redefine yeah how we trying to like flex and for me, my flex will never be the new car or the new jewelry that I have like that's just not my flex and we have to know that we shouldn't be one dimensional in terms of the type of flexing that we do in hip hop culture. So taking hip hop to Harvard University is a flex and for me to be able to do that in a in a way that people can be you know, admiring. And this this compliment, oh, this compliment meant so much. Matter of fact, I'm going to post this video in the next 48 hours on my Instagram. There was a parent at a church in Dallas, Texas that I was at, and I'm the artist in residence at this church. So I go there and I get to perform. I get to mentor the youth. I get to speak to the youth like on a monthly basis. This woman came up to me and came and found me. And she was like, D1, the fact that you are at Harvard University and what you're doing up there, she said, my son ran home after church one weekend and came and said, "Mom, guess what? You know, D1, is music I listen to? She was like, yeah, he's at Harvard University now. Like, maybe I can go there one day, you know? And she said, for her as a parent, to hear her son, who never mentioned anything like that before, to now feel that it was possible, she said that meant more to her than any music that I could ever make. And so, that that's important just to open up the realm of what's possible for our people for um for the people who are looking up to us as MCs i know that people are looking up to me so uh part of me being at harvard is a flex as well and i want hip hop i want the hip hop industry to recognize it as such because We don't need to be one-dimensional without flexing.
0: I love it. We literally have 30 seconds left. How do people follow you? You gave out the website for your album. How can people follow you on social media uh, and connect with you further?
1: All my social media handles are the same. D1 Music, D-E-E, the number one music. Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, whatever you want to find me on. D-E-E, the number one music. And the official spelling for my name is D1, D-E-E dash one. So you heard me. I'm Googleable. Just look me up. And GardenGirls2.com is the website for the album. I better see I better see some people who going on there and getting it and who leaving a little note saying, oh, I saw you on Lori's show. So that's why you heard me, Like, <laughs> that's why I'm coming. Y'all better not front on me. We giving out some real game. This, this woman is, is a whole lawyer and, and choosing to choosing to do this. She could be she could be fighting crime somewhere. She could be. I she, love it she fighting ignorance that's
0: it well it's, it's easier when we got folks like you around d1 we love you i appreciate you brother thank you for being with us today it's been a real pleasure having you here